Welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast answering questions asked by our listeners. Created by pet professionals for pet professionals. And now, your host, Hey Joe's very own, Joe Zuccarello. What's up, everyone? Joe Zuccarello here, and welcome to Hey Joe, a podcast brought to you by Paragon School of Pet Grooming. Check out our site at paragonpetschool.com for lots of really cool information on a variety of programs, products, and to connect to educational resources such as webinars, podcasts, current events, special news, certifications, and lots of other helpful information to help you grow yourself, your team, and of course your business. Let's get started with this week's episode. Hey there, everyone. This is Joe Zuccarello again, your host of the Hey Joe podcast, a weekly podcast where we uh, give you, the Hey Joe listener audience, an opportunity to kind of listen in or eavesdrop on a conversation between myself and a subject matter expert. And I am super, super excited uh, to bring this new subject matter expert uh, uh, to the Hey Joe podcast for the first time, uh, because this person is uh, definitely one of those that I consider uh, uh, a friend in the industry, a previous colleague, and works at and leads the team at uh, a, a company, a facility that is really near and dear to my heart. So today we are joined by Jennifer Van Garderen, and uh, Jen is the uh, COO, the Chief Operating Officer at Kennelwood Pet Resorts in the St. Louis area. And Kennelwood has grown now to multiple locations. She's going to tell us a little bit about that in just a moment, but I, I, I'm going to tell you that, you know, Kennelwood Pet Resorts in my, has a, will always have a special little place in my heart because I had an opportunity to lead the team myself there for uh, almost 20 years. And uh, so I, I, I really kind of cut my bones in the pet industry and learned about pet services, uh, grooming, boarding, training, daycare, you name it. Kennelwood Pet Resorts are masters at providing that. So Jen, Thank you very much for joining the Hey Joe podcast today, and uh, we're, I'm so excited to talk to you. Well, it's my pleasure to be here, Joe, and thank you so much for that warm introduction and mention of Kennelwood. I do feel really grateful to have you as a mentor um, at Kennelwood for many years, so thank you very much for having me on. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind, because you you kind of cut your bones at Kennelwood too. Kennelwood has a lot of people that started in the <laughs> industry there, right? And uh, and then yeah. tell us, uh, kind of give us a, a little bit of a history about Kennelwood and what Kennelwood is about today. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so like you mentioned, I'm the Chief Operating Officer for Kennelwood Pet Resorts. I've been here for 19 years, which is so crazy to think. Um, I've now worked here longer than I was old when I started here. Uh, and <laughs> I was, uh, I actually started as a teenager in our doggy day camp department. And um, kind of through going to college, and I just kind of wanted to get more experience in the sales and marketing aspect of it. So I joined our customer service department, learned a ton there. Um, then through graduating college, I joined our marketing department. Um, that was wonderful. That was what my degree was in. Um, but then quickly realized that I wanted to take on a role where I was interacting more and working more directly with the pets. And so I was offered the opportunity as our general manager overseeing our pet training products and services division. 
and I did that for many years. And now I'm very fortunate enough to have been uh, promoted to Chief Operating Officer at Kennelwood Pet Resort. So uh, that was uh, getting this job has been a complete honor and one of the biggest, I feel, accomplishments in my life. So I'm very happy uh, with the position that I'm in now. Um, just on the personal level, um, not only do I have dogs as my profession, but it is my hobby and my passion as well. I'm the secretary and member of the Gateway Working Dog Association, which is a dog training club that focuses on competition training for various different dog sports. Wow. So what you're saying is you're not quite busy enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. I, we always need to be adding more to our plate, right? We do. Um, <laughs> so at Kennelwood, um, you know, like you've mentioned, we've been around for a really long time. We've been around for 46 years. We were founded in 1974 by Donald Danforth Jr. And we have grown to eight locations in the St. Louis and surrounding areas. We have a couple of locations just over the bridge in Illinois as well. And the services that we offer include grooming, boarding, day camp, and of course, lots and lots of dog training. Well, I can tell everybody in the Hey Joe listener audience that every time I have the opportunity to kind of go back as like a homecoming visit, if you would, and visit some of my uh, uh, previous colleagues at Kennelwood, the place is hopping and it's always busy and the dogs are happy and Grooming is just, you know, I, I introduced Kennelwood at the beginning of just about every one of my presentations, and well, not just about every one of my presentations, uh, just talking about the size of the business, but how well it is operated, because you can have larger businesses and operate them just as well and have just as much personal attention per pet, uh, if that's what you focus on. And I know, Jen, you're leading that, uh, leading that, uh, uh, your, your team. Uh, to providing that ultimate experience at Kennelwood. So what we're talking about today uh, is specifically dog training. And, you know, there's a lot of folks out there, Jen, that think of dog training as uh, the traditional class uh, setting, right? Where a group of pet parents get together, uh, sort of like a normal, maybe even a social hour than dog training in many cases. And, <laughs> uh, you know, they're in this big training room somewhere and there's one trainer and, you know, sometimes it's effective and sometimes it's not. And most of the time who they're blaming is they say, my dog failed training class, right? When well, we all know, mm -hmm, absolutely. we know it's the pet parent in most cases. I guess some dogs <laughs> don't make it easy, but most of the time it's pet parent. But I remember at Kennelwood when we first started talking about this, this concept, this thought of personal training. And that's what Jen's going to talk to you guys about today and, and, and about adding personal training to your pet care service business. So some of you out there are strictly grooming and some of uh, the audience members out there are full service pet uh, uh, service providers, right? Full, full service care providers, such as lodging or daycare and such. But this element of training and especially personal training is one that's near and dear to my heart because it's so effective and it's so well, it's so personal. So mm -hmm. we're going to talk about uh, some of the challenges and then some of the benefits. So let's just dive right in, Jen, to some of the challenges. And these are questions I get asked a lot. You might as well. Uh, but one is, what if I don't have the space? Again, some of these pet care provider, you know, some of our Hey Joe listener audience out there, they are grooming shops. So they're small, right? They don't have a lot of extra. Sure. So sure. What, a, 
when we think about training, we think about large spaces. Is that necessary? Is it not necessary? What's your take on that? Well, actually, Joe, believe it or not, large open spaces are not required for successful pet dog training. Uh, pet manners and obedience can be done in really whatever space is available, even if it's on the small side. In fact, Kennelwood does not have any separate training rooms at any of our eight locations. So we found that um, our trainers mostly working with pets in our lobbies. Um, and again, I just kind of want to point out that our lobbies of our, at our different eight locations are of varying sizes and some even on the small side. So um, really, it doesn't matter. Um, so training in the lobby, our trainers will also train on the front porch or on the front sidewalk. And from time to time, they'll even train in the back of the house. You know, we all have um, every once in a while, a pet that's learning to walk on a leash that just doesn't quite understand it. Um, those kind of situations might be better for the pet to learn in a quieter environment. Um, our lobbies can tend to be, you know, filled with clients and dogs coming in and out. And so that can be a distracting environment. So sometimes we have to teach a dog in a little bit of a quieter environment. Um, but those distractions that I spoke of that happened in the lobby can also be a really good thing for the dog to learn because they're learning um, in somewhat similar situations as what a pet parent might experience in a real world situation. So for example, going to the veterinarian, uh, taking a neighborhood walk, visiting a dog park, um, all of those things are is when training is most important for the pet parent. So the pet already understanding how to walk nicely on a leash or sit next to you before you open the door under the distractions of other dogs and people around is a really good thing for the dog. Well, and, um, and what's interesting that you bring up is, is okay, you've got this small space, you've got this trainer working one-on-one -on -one with the, with the pet, but you're, you're, you're mimicking uh, real life, situations. And I, the one I really like, and I, I guess I, I probably forgot over time was sometimes we have to take our pet to the veterinarian. And I will tell you, we were just at the veterinarian with our little dog, Vinny, about two weeks ago. And there was a golden retriever and this poor man with this dog, full grown golden retriever, probably 18, 24 months old, was just taking this man for a walk around that mm. lobby. And the dog passed by us and the dog leapt up on my wife right? Doesn't know oh, my wife. Boy. And I mean, just full on golden retriever, you know, tackle, right? Um, and, you know, my wife, we, we kind of, you know, brushed it off, no big deal. But if, if let's say that that was an older person, right? Or, or mm -hmm. a person that doesn't really appreciate that or like that. I mean, we kind of got over it pretty quick, but it was annoying, even though we're in the industry. Sure. So, right. Uh, Absolutely. Just, you know, just for sake of, 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 of in some cases even liability for the pet parent right liability safety um you know we think that we understand our dog's behavior fully when we're at home and in our yard but you have the situation where you take them into the veterinarian office and now there's other dogs around and your dog might all of a sudden become reactive. It's a new place. They might feel like they need to protect themselves. And if you don't have the control through obedience training, uh, that can turn into a really unsafe situation. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Or even a parking lot. I think some people think that their pet is going to behave like it does in their own driveway, but you get into a parking lot and the gloves are off, right? I mean, we've, you and I have personally ran around a parking lot trying to catch a pet parent's dog that got <laughs> out of the car because they didn't have a leash on it, right? Right, so, exactly. Again, another just, you know, these are, boy, you probably rifled through 12 or 15 different reasons why a personal trainer, adding a personal trainer to our pet care service business is so important, but also, you know, we're going to get into how, how do we sell training, right? So, well, right. those are great examples. Does your dog do this? Does your dog do that? And, uh, and, and what a captive audience because they're bringing the pets into the grooming facility or the lodging facility, daycare, whatever, um, multiple times throughout the year, sometimes multiple times throughout the week. So let's talk a little bit about that selling training. You know, the Hey Joe listener audience out there, by and large, are mostly probably not trainers. They're professional groomers or daycare or lodging operators. So how do we sell training if we're not trainers? Well, exactly. And also having not having a dedicated outside room for training actually helps to sell your training because your clients get to see the trainer in action. If your trainer is working in the lobby, they get to see everything that's going on. And good dog training is really an impressive thing to watch. I, you know, have been in this industry for almost 20 years. I've seen lots of dog training. I'm part of a dog training club. I compete in AKC obedience. And I still get so impressed watching people train their dogs and watching that learning happen. And so from, you know, a lay, a lay person, like a pet parent, it's a really, really cool thing to watch and it provides a little entertainment right um, <laughs> and additionally working with the dogs uh, in addition to working with the dogs in the lobby your trainer will then have to work with the pet parent in the lobby so those one-on-one -on -one lessons where the trainer is providing the education to the pet parent because we all know that the trainer can't just work with the dog in the day and then send it home at night and have it be a perfect dog. They're not computers. We're not just simply putting a new computer chip into the dog. There has to be follow-up by the pet parent and that requires education. So the trainer working with the client one-on-one -on -one in the lobby is really an impressive thing to watch as well. And your pet parents that are waiting for their pet to finish up with their bath or haircut get to witness all of that and what better way to promote and then sell the training service than by having the knowledge of your trainer and those dog training results front and center for all to see so jen i remember and maybe you don't have these anymore but i remember having signs in the lobby i remember seeing these signs and it was not only does the training to your point great point by the way that training and the trainer just by doing his or her work or even the pet's work sells training sort of on its own right but um you had these really cool you had these really cool signs and they were simple little signs but do you still have those signs in the lobby I do. We do. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. They, I, I remember they say, would you like your pet to behave this well? Yep. I mean, that sums up yep. everything, everything. And because I don't, I don't know about you, but every dog needs training to some degree. And you know, the customers get a little envious when they watch a dog that's being trained and seeing what it can do. And then they just walked in this rocket at the end of a leash. <laughs> <laughs> 
And one of the most common things that we hear the pet parents say that are coming in to see us for other services is my dog would never do that. My dog would never stay in that uh, sit while all these other things are going on. And that is the dog trainer's cue to say, oh, Hi, my name is Jennifer. Let me tell you all about why your dog absolutely can do this. And so, again, that speaks to having your trainer front and center in the lobby. Um, they get to explain what's going on to the pet parent and provide that education. And, you know, the dog trainer in the lobby really helps to start building relationships with your grooming clients. And even though at that first interaction, your dog trainer might not sell training, but through small interactions each month, saying hello, making a cute comment about the pet, helping them with the door, all of those small things over time can build up to a relationship and make the pet parent feel comfortable and entrust this person training their dog. No, that, those are all brilliant. You're, you're right. I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not maybe the sale today and, and it, it's those uh, multiple interactions that help them because sometimes, you know, they might have questions. Is this the right kind of trainer for me? And, 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 and will, will he or she treat my, my pet well? And they get a chance to kind of test drive training just through visually seeing it multiple times as they continue to do business with the pet care provider. So let's talk about trainers specifically. So where, you know, again, most of my audience, the Hey Joe listener audience out there, uh, they're professional pet care providers, groomers, or or lodging operators, think daycare operators. But where where if they're interested in adding training, how do you find trainers? Because I mean, groomers can grow other groomers, right? Um, or we could have training. We can have uh, uh, education to help train daycare uh, attendants or or cleaning people in the in the pet resort. But training, they almost got. They almost have to come pre-trained. So where do we find them at, Jen? Any, any words of wisdom? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first I would really encourage for the, you know, grooming owner or the facility owner to decide what type of training they want to offer. Do they just want to offer pet obedience and pet manners, or would they like to get into other specialized training, possibly like service dog um, or things like that, maybe agility. Although once you start getting into kind of agility and other sort of dog sports, that does sometimes require a little more space. So, you know, at Kennelwood, we mostly stick with the pet obedience type of training. Um, so deciding what kind of training you want to offer and then really thinking about what methods of training you would like your trainer to carry out. Um, and by that, I mean, do you want a positive only trainer? So a trainer that trains only in using treats and food as rewards um, or toys as rewards, or do you want a trainer that can take a balanced approach to dog training? And by balanced approach, that means that in addition to mostly using those treats and um, praise and toys as rewards, but they'll also use a training collar as a tool in their belt um, to help enforce behaviors that have been taught. And of course, you know, before any training collar will be used, pet parents would have to have permission and things like that. But just deciding, you know, what type of training do you want to offer? What method do you want your trainer to teach? And then actually finding the dog trainer, what I would suggest is contacting a reputable dog training school. So do your research. There's lots of reviews 
on Google and Yelp about various different dog training schools across the country. And most of those schools have job placement programs for their students and would very much welcome a chance to make a connection between uh, a facility and one of their students. And I'm very happy if anybody is interested to help find a trainer for their facility. I'm happy uh, to help with that. We have lots of trainers in our net network at Kennelwood, whether that's local or not local. Um, so please feel free to give me a shout out at the end. Um, I'm sure we can mention my contact information and my email address, and I'm happy to help if anybody's interested. Wow, that's a huge offer. Thank you so much for, for uh, uh, making yourself available to them because, I, I, again, um, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the just the revenue and profitability and just the, the health that training adds uh, to a business, right, from the business side of things. So being able to find those trainers, that would be a huge resource uh, that you can provide. One thing I do know is uh, maybe to set everybody's mind a little bit even more at ease is that trainers, when they graduate these programs that are spread out around the country, trainers, unlike groomers, in many cases, trainers will relocate for a job opportunity. Do you still see that as, as uh, 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 very, uh, very often the case? Absolutely. And I would say that, and that's really interesting that you brought that up because you're so right. Uh, the difference between dog trainers and groomers and uh, relocating for jobs. Um, on, and at Kennelwood, we have about 18 trainers on staff. And off the top of my head, four of them relocated for this job. So you are absolutely right that they are willing to do that. Wow. And that's only because you have a couple, you know, you're in the St. Louis area, St. Louis metropolitan area. You have a couple of dog training academies right in your own backyard. Otherwise, you yes. even had a larger percentage of tr dog trainers that would relocate. You're probably absolutely right about that. And yes, we have been very fortunate to have good dog training schools surrounding us for many, many years that, um, we've been able to pick from. But yes, they, they will absolutely travel. So um, it doesn't matter if they're in Florida or California or Missouri and you're elsewhere, still reach out and um, make connections and they will travel. Hmm. So let's say you, you go through the interview process, you fall in love with a trainer, you, you know that they're going to be the, 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 the perfect fit for your culture. And I do a lot of my episodes and such talking on culture fit. Um, because that's very, you know, it's also very important, but let's talk about managing trainers. You know, when you get into a skilled position like groomers or such, uh, you know, we, we can't, we, we, we would, we would not be doing the audience justice if we didn't talk about, uh, any challenges with managing trainers, anything that you, that you can offer. And again, you could probably have a whole episode on managing your skilled talent, you know, these talented people that are part of your business, but what are some of the things that, that they need to be looking for uh, when it comes to managing personal trainers? I would say the biggest thing that I've learned and probably the hard way is uh, with, with managing trainers, they really want to be involved in the decision-making process. And I really think that that is becoming more and more true uh, with any position these days and any type of employee, but especially with dog trainers, they really own and feel compassionate about their program or feel passion about their program rather. And they don't want to always be told, here's how you're gonna start doing this now. And now we're gonna start offering this. And now we're gonna stop offering that involves them in the conversation. Of course, we always need to establish that the manager or the owner 
is in charge and they have the final say, but include them in the, in the process. You know, let's say you're thinking of adding an additional type of training. Um, bring them in, have a brainstorming session, talk about the ways in which that can um, improve or the negatives and just really involve them and you will gain so much more compliancy and also make them feel a part of it and make them feel invested in it. And you'll get a lot less, um, you know, opposition doing it that way. So when you are hiring your, your trainers, we're going to talk a little bit about paying the trainers because I think that's also important. Uh, there is a, a, a push now to pretty much eliminate 1099 type of uh, uh, relationships with talented staff in mm -hmm. pet care service providers. Like you're saying, you want to involve them. They don't want to necessarily be told what to do, like, like told upon, right, what to do, but they want to be involved. But there are things of just being a good employee and being a good representative of the organization as a whole. So uh, uh, would you recommend, and, and again, we're not accountants and we're not lawyers, so we'll put that big asterisk out there right now, but would you recommend that trainers, uh, 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 employing trainers follows sort of the same trend of being more of a W-2 employee than a 1099 subcontractor? Yeah, absolutely. We do not contract out any of our trainers. Um, we, they're fully employees of Kennelwood. They, you know, go through our new hire orientation process and they agree to abide by all of our policies and procedures that we have in place. And it really, there is something huge to having them being part of our team and really taking, um, you know, pride in the whole organization, working with their coworkers, helping out their coworkers, helping out their managers. Oftentimes, um, the trainers, although they're, you know, we don't make them managers, they do kind of take on a leadership role in our organization, helping the lower level staff with handling skills and things like that. And you're gonna get much more of that camaraderie if they're um, one of your official employees and officially part of your team. Yeah, that makes total sense. So once you have them and you've got them then as employees, not necessarily subcontractors, and again, everybody out there, you guys are welcome to make any decisions you want to make, but do it, you know, do it kind of eyes wide open and same that you might do for your professional groomers as well. As far as pay, paying trainers, do you see, I mean, you know, when we pay, I, I know, oh, I don't know, I could probably rattle off four or five different ways we pay professional groomers out there. And if managed properly, all of them work right? Just, so it's how you maybe balance that as a, as a percentage or, or, or uh, uh, the weight of how you pay uh, your staff in your, in your, the financial health of your business. But do you have any uh, brief uh, uh, suggestions or recommendations as far as paying the trainers? Sure. We pay and we recommend, um, I recommend paying on commission. So directly related to their sales that they're bringing in. When we first hire on a trainer at Kennelwood, we do the draw against commission structure, uh, which gives them a little bit of security going in because a new trainer, whether it's an established location or not, a new trainer coming in has to build up their business a little bit and um, build those relationships and get those referrals. And so we want our trainers to have some security while they're doing all that. So we pay them a small draw against commission salary. Um, basically it works at every week they're guaranteed the same paycheck amount. 
At the end of the month, we evaluate it and see did they earn over the commission percentage that we agreed upon or under. If they agreed over, then they get that extra amount as you know what we call quote unquote a bonus. If they earn under, then uh, we do nothing. And then the next month that they've earned that bonus, then we deduct it from that. And anything extra is given to the trainer as that bonus. Uh, we do that for about a year. And we have seen every single time that that is plenty of time to give them uh, all the tools and resources and relationships and starting to build up their clientele. And then after that, it's commission. And they do very, very well still. Um, our trainers are very happy. We feel that they're very well compensated. Um, there are times from time to time when um, an hourly work might apply. So we've asked them to go to a community event and do some demonstrations and represent our organization and represent our training department. In those cases, we do revert to an hourly rate. Um, but other than that, it's mostly commission. Well, that's pretty straightforward. And what I like about it, it's very friendly to them as they ramp up their new book of business as well. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about the benefits of having a personal training service. So, and personal trainers as part of your uh, of your pet care services business. Again, just a quick reminder: we're talking to Jennifer Van Garderen, the uh, COO of Kennelwood Pet Resorts, and we're talking specifically about offering uh, personal training uh, as an extension or a new service to your grooming business, your lodging business, daycare business, or what other services you might offer. So. You know, when I when I look at then marketability, Jen, about uh, you know, are there enough customers out there that would need training? And you know, I, I I know the answer to that, but I'm looking to get kind of your your take on that. And and that it's you know, is it needed by all pet parents? You said you used a word earlier that I want to kind of unpack for a moment. You used the word manners and manners training. So are there enough pet parents to pay for training? Are there enough dogs out there that need training? And what's, what's all about this manners training? Sure. Well, manners refers to just really being a good dog. Not necessarily that when we refer to obedience as the sit stay and the down stay and the place command and the coming when called. Um, manners really is the jumping, the mouthing, um, the leash walking, um, you know, door, uh, dashing out the door, um, stealing food off your counters, getting into your trash can, all the things that can be nuisances um, and really are bad manners. So there's dogs in every household, I would imagine, that have those a variation of these behaviors, or at least at one point did, but the pet parent was able to correct it maybe when they were a puppy and kind of nip it in the bud. Um, but really because of those things, um, training is for every single dog. And even if you feel like, you know, those things don't bother you or you don't feel the need that you're or feel the need for your dog to have a sit stay or uh, sit at a door when you're before you open it training is really enriching for the dog it gives them mental stimulation and it just you know it helps them to really have a fulfilled 
day or a fulfilled life because not only has their physical body being taken care of by the uh, qualified skilled groomer, maybe their exercise is being taken care of by the pet parent through walks or maybe uh, through day camp play, but their mind gets stimulated and their mind gets enriched when you teach them new behaviors. So when, when we're talking, and, and so it was, it was a perfect answer to my question, because then it sounds to me like as, when you focus on just the basics, right, just be just being a, a tolerable uh, uh, family member in the home, I think is just so, so important. So when you're talking about personal trainers, then in a smaller space and active pet care provider organizations and such, how how much revenue and and I would never ask you to disclose anything confidential so don't necessarily go there what I'm looking for is you know how many dogs maybe can a trainer train in a day so what what does their book look like because it's going to be different right it's different than grooming and it's different than because again they might not spend hours and hours and hours with this with one dog they might do it in small bursts from what I remember so what's a workload look like for a for a personal trainer yeah, you know, it just really varies on their cases that they have in, what exactly each dog is looking at. But there are times that one trainer can have, you know, 20, maybe 25 dogs in with them for a day. And that is, of course, with plenty of assistance provided by some support staff that helps potty walk the dogs and gives them their meals if the pet parent has brought a meal for the day and things like that. And really, dog training, you know, it's not an hour-long session and it's really based off of what the dog needs and typically a dog kind of sound dog training session is going to be 15 minutes or under because we don't want to continuously train the dog train the dog train the dog train the dog until he's mentally and physically wiped out that's definitely not what you want to do you want to you know end your training session when the dog has had a perfect, uh, you know, you told him to sit and he did it on the first try, or he's really excited about it. Um, those are the times when you want to say, okay, it's break time, because then the next time you get him out for the session that day, he's going to be like, all right, like, let's go. I'm really good at this. I'm excited about this. I had a great time at that last session. And that's really how you build excitement and joy for dog training. And so a dog trainer can work with a dog for just a few minutes several times a day and really just have extraordinary results with a really happy dog that looks forward to and loves dog training. So at that sort at, at, at those sorts of numbers that you're talking about, this can be a substantial revenue add. And, and if you if you're paying properly, right, paying them out and, and compensating trainers properly, it can be a very, it can be a substantial profit add to the business. Oh, absolutely. And um, within the last five years ago, we've really kind of adapted this mentality at Kennelwood, whereas if you offer training, they will come. And what we've seen is that pet parents come to us, you know, word has spread of the qualified, wonderful dog training that Kennelwood offers. So we have lots of people coming into our doors specifically for our dog training. And then that's a great opportunity to provide them and sell them with our other services. So when our dog training 
booms, our grooming booms, our day camp booms, our boarding booms, because they have the opportunity to be exposed to all of our other services. And another great thing about dog trainers is really whatever they tell a pet parent to do, they will do. Our pet parents see our dog trainers as such experts on pets and animals that they will really do whatever they tell them to do. So if our dog trainer recommends a bath today or a haircut today, or I think that he would be great in doggy day camp, the pet parent will really do that. And of course, we take the approach on education and what's best for the dog, not just offering it and recommending it for the sake of selling it, but really having something at your facility for every single dog, even if it's a treat or a treat puzzle that they purchase for the pet to have while he's having his rest and recharge time in his room. So it really leads to not just great training revenue, but increased revenue in other services as well. Yeah, that's a great point. So it's a great handshake type service for the other activities that are offered. And you know, uh, uh, so not only as far as activities, but also it's great to have those trainers on campus, right? To help with, uh, you kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, and I want to maybe camp out on it for just a moment or two, which was assisting other team members with learning how to handle pets, right? Uh, maybe leash handling pets as they're walking them, maybe from room to room or service to service, or you know, from the tub to the grooming table. And then especially for groomers out there for, you know, that, that dog that is maybe not so happy or not so uh, comfortable or, or could be nervous about grooming and when they're on the table. So do you see that partnership happening with the trainer and maybe the groomer working together or the trainer and other pet handlers? Well, we see it working with all of our employees. So they will help a day camp employee with and really any employees with leash walking, because that's one of the biggest things, you know, most pet care facilities and including at Kennelwood, we use slip leads. So that can be a little bit challenging sometimes for a dog to walk nicely on that leash. So our trainers really help how to properly teach a dog to walk nicely in our facilities. Our trainers are in our day camp yards working with new day camp employees or refreshing existing employees on how to safely um, interact with the pets and how to keep moving properly in the yards and interacting and having that positive engagement. Um, but really a great place where our trainers help is our groomers and really helping with those good manners on the grooming table. And that includes, you know, knowing when to put a muzzle on a dog. Lots of times that's the best scenario for the dog and for the groomer is for the bite option just to be taken away completely. And it's a little bit of a misconception that it's a good idea to place a muzzle on a dog that has never worn a muzzle, muzzle and just continue with the grooming process. Muzzle conditioning is um, a really a positive thing that helps associate the muzzle with positives. So a trainer, a knowledgeable trainer knows how to do that, where they will feed the dog with the muzzle and do just lots of other positive things associated around the muzzle. Then when the muzzle goes on, it's not a negative. So if you think about from the dog's perspective, if you are uh, the first time you have a muzzle put on you, then the next thing that happens is the nails, which they don't like maybe. Uh, now they associate the muzzle with 
uh, something that they dislike and it becomes just a negative association. So that's one example of where a trainer can really help train your grooming staff to help make it a safer and more positive experience for not just the dog, but them as well. You know, Jen, you bring up a great point, and this is something that I've always given credit to, and there's a couple trainers at Kennelwood, and I won't name their names, uh, but one that you happen to know really, really well. <laughs> uh, the trainers <laughs> would teach me uh, a lot as being an operator of just connecting those dots, right? Connecting the dots to say, well, if we do that, what the dog is really thinking, you can call it whatever you want to call it. You can market whatever service you want to market. You can make it as playful and everything. Else. But what's going through the dog's head is X, Y, Z. And it's so, I found it intriguing, right? But it's because that's their superpower. That's the trainer's superpower to say, let me tell you what's really going on behind the curtain in that dog's head. Uh, just like right. that muscle, just like that positive muscle uh, correlation, right? Um, I mean, if, if, if my groomer, if my groomer audience out there didn't just fall off your stools and say, oh my gosh, that explains a ton, right? I can tell you that personal trainers have a treasure trove of those little dots that they're going to help you connect out there. So thanks for sharing that. That was an extra little bonus for uh, the Hey Joe listener audience out there. So you know what I really like about personal training, Jen, is that it, I think it, I think it completes the overall experience for the pet parent and for the pet and really for the team as well. So, you know, I'm a big fan of talking about a customer centric approach uh, to, to uh, our, our, the experiences and the customer experience that they get to enjoy when they're, when they're with us temporarily, whether it's the, 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 the people or the, or, or the pets themselves. And I think personal training just kind of rounds all of that out. So Jen, you had made a very gracious offer earlier to allow the Hey Joe listener audience out there to reach out to you um, and maybe get uh, uh, some uh, direction or some recommendations on where they might find trainers. Would you mind sharing how the Hey Joe listener audience members out there can, can uh, get in uh, contact with you? Sure, absolutely. The best way to reach me is via email. And my email is my first initial last name. So that's J-V-A-N-G-A-R. D-E-R-E-N at kennelwood.com. And Kennelwood is spelled K-E-N-N-E-L-W-O-O-D. And uh, seriously, really take me up on that offer. I'm really happy to help and reach out. Um, I love helping the industry in general, especially when it comes to something that's really near and dear to my heart, which is dog training. And I'm happy to help get skilled, qualified dog trainers started in facilities and so that we can really promote and boost training across the industry. So reach so, out. So guys, I can't tell you how huge that is that you've got uh, somebody who's a, 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 a COO of one of the most successful uh, boarding, uh, daycare, grooming, just pet care services companies in the country making herself available to you. So please take her up on that. I can promise you, uh, Jen is like this all the time. So Jen, Jen is, uh, you know, I've known Jen for, for many years um, and uh, had the pleasure of working uh, directly with her for 
uh, a number of those years while I was at Kennelwood as well. So Jen, I just want to say, oh, and oh, to the listener audience, listen, if you're in your car or you're grooming right now and you couldn't write down that email address, you know we've got you covered, no problem. Just go to paragonpetschool.com and we'll have all of Jen's contact information on the Hey Joe uh, podcast resources page on uh, our website. So we'll have her contact information just so, just a click away to uh, reaching out to her. Jen, thank you so much. And please tell all of the team there at Kennelwood, I miss them. I'm coming back. I want to see everybody again. And uh, uh, I just really, we do appreciate your time today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm very happy to be on. And Joe, of course, you're always welcome at Kennelwood anytime. All right, Jen, take care. Bye-bye.